words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. God is faithful. So I, I, as I was praying this morning, I said to God, I said, God, I don't know what to say. I don't have, I don't have what to say. I said, I could say some things. It's the Bible. We've been preaching this for so long. You know, uh, whosoever does not love, does not know God. I could pull up all the scriptures and I could preach the scriptures to you. And I said, well, God, you know, I don't like that. I, I don't want to teach a thing that is not real to me. I, I like authentic, the authenticity of the gospel. I believe that's where the power is. That, that which you have touched, that which you have handled. Do you understand? This word of life, this which you have tasted, I, I believe that's where the power of the gospel is. And I was like, Lord, I don't know how to communicate what I know. Um, and I feel like there's still so much I don't know. You know, I was like, so how, 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 how can you say what you can't communicate and what you don't know, you know? And I was like, Lord, I don't want to lie. I hate lies, especially when it comes to the gospel. I was like, I don't want to lie. So please, um, cause the spirit of truth to be activated in me and cause me to rise up from the realm of my flesh and position me in the realm where re marriage and love is a reality and they are both working simultaneously in obedience to you to produce your heart and your mind for all of humanity i said take me to that place jesus that's the place i want to teach from i said so that after i have taught even i will be a student of the things you've said and so precious holy spirit i thank you because you hear me every time i pray every time every time and because you hear, Lord, you answer. So I thank you, Father, because to all of us here, to those that are watching now, and even to those that will watch later, I thank you because this message is an open door to heaven. I thank you because this message is not, they are not words of God, but it is a spirit so that every time anyone hears it, it becomes a tool in your hand to fight against the workings of darkness in the person's life. I thank you because it is an open realm by which people can journey into the truth of your heart. I present it before you sanctified and consecrated. Do what only you can do. Let your heart be the only thing beating out of this message. Let your heart be the only thing beating out of this message. Thank you, precious Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, um, so at some point last year, I remember myself laying on the floor and I was crying because my husband had hurt me. My husband is here. He's an amazing man. And like I said, I don't lie. I don't fake anything. If I'm not happy, we see it. <laughs> if we are not together, I'll tell him, please don't come for the service. Don't come. I don't want to see your face when I'm preaching. Yes. <laughs> so he's here because... We're in love this morning. Do you understand? <laughs> and this is not Valentine fever. Uh, he, he, he casted that one out of me, like, how many years ago when we, when we started dating? And I was like, oh, so we were doing it for Valentine. I was like, who is Valentine? I better forget that thing. I'm like, hey, Jesus. Jesus, Valentine. Anyway, so, 
Um, so this is not Valentine fever. This is love. You love. Yeah. So at some point last year, here I am, laying on the floor. I was so mad. Not, I was even mad. There's a way you, there's a place that goes beyond anger. Yeah, there's a place that goes beyond anger. I wasn't mad. I was sad. And I felt dead. That was how angry I was. And I was crying and I was like, Lord, how did marry again? How did marry? Come marry if you fit. Jonas, I know they do. I'm not doing it anymore. You know. And while I was crying and I was crying and, I, and the Lord said to me, he said, Isi, what is my position on this matter? You know. And um, I was like, you know, it's kind of hard to find out right now because I'm, I'm really shuffling through the pain and the anger in my heart. I was like, no, try. I had to think about it. How do I feel right now? And the moment I, I pushed myself aside for one second and I turned to God, I realized that God was in rejoicing mode. He was rejoicing over my husband. He was pleased with him. He was happy. They were actually throwing a party in heaven. And he said to me, are you on the Lord's side? Are you on the side of your flesh? Are you on the side of your humanity? Are you on the side of your pain? Are you on the side of your emotions? Or are you going to be on my side? I was like, Lord, that's such a hard choice to make. I can't deny myself as human. But I also cannot stop myself from submitting to you because I'm sold out to you, Jesus. You know, and he said, there are some choices that you cannot make in an instant in time. You have to journey into the choice. And he said, I know your heart. I know you love me. I know you will submit to me. I know you want to do my will and you always want to be on my side. He said, but I also understand that it's hard for you to fully accept and to fully walk in the reality of this choice. He said, so I'm going to create a path by which you can journey into it. He said, while you are on that journey, I'm not going to allow the enemy lift a word of condemnation against you. Neither am I going to allow him um, um, beat you up on that path. He said, but I will rise up and I will be your hedge until you arrive at my position. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Seeing that you've opened this path, can I just take the moment to tell you how angry I am? And I can say it for like another two months saying that, you know, you've given me grace to journey into your position. But you see, one of the lessons I learned on that path is that there are some things that love will work in you that no man can help you arrive at. No man. You see, there's this hope as most talking about oh, the way we, we work these days. And I pray that by the Spirit of God, I'm going to be able to break some strongholds this morning. And when we finish, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. You know, there are some principles by which we work these days that have nothing to do with God. And it has nothing to do with the scriptures. So I remember one day, I was talking to my husband, you know, while I was on this path that the Lord had opened for me. And we were speaking and I was like, 
I expect you to do this for me. I expect you to, I expect you to, you know, help me, help me. I just, my mind, my heart, you know. And he's like, what do you want me to do? And for the first time, I used to see it in film. But I did not know that it was possible. Honestly, I did not know when I carried through a pillow, flung it at him. I, as I was flinging anything that could be flung. And I was, it was like, I, I was like, I need you to help me. Because you are my problem in this life. Do you understand? You are my problem actually. And I remember telling him, if I go to hell, you will die. You will follow me to hell. <laughs> I said, because I see that you're the only one that can make me go to hell. <laughs> I said, because you stare up things in me that I don't know. Nobody else can do this. You know, I was so angry. And I was like, but I, but how am I supposed to help you? And it even angered me more. Just that you will not go to God fast for 90 days and find out how to help me. So, yeah, I was, I was struggling every day. I was like, ah, and I was next to screaming. And I just sat down there. You know, he was like, you see, I love you. But I don't know how to help you. I didn't know how to feel about that. Because I thought the least you can do is help me. But then again, can he? Can anybody really help me? No? So I found out that my husband is both the instrument of God in my life and the companion on the journey that God uses him to create in my life. Sometimes he becomes my greatest challenge but also my greatest support. My deepest anger but my greatest joy. So it kind of seems like a paradox and it could be frustrating sometimes but I realize that the only thing that makes it possible for you to live a life that is like a paradox and not go crazy is when you humble yourself before God. So I realized that the things that were raging inside of me wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was my flesh. My flesh was making demands. There was a war, a war about the principles that I had learned all my life. My expectations, my anticipations, my desires were at war with the current position I was in. And all of that was unable to take care of where I was. And I thought to myself, surely the Lord has failed. The Lord did not fail. The Lord did not fail. The Lord was actually at the greatest part of his dealings and workings in my life. So at that point, I had to figure out how to push aside everything, everyone, every expectation, every history, every desire, so that I could arrive at the truth of God's heart. And the moment I did that, I began to realize certain things. Number one, no man is powerful enough to alter the course of my journey. The Bible says, what can separate me from the love of God? Not life, not death, 
not demons, not principalities, not power, not even my husband. No one can craft a journey for me that my Lord has not permitted. And if God permits it, it is because it's good for me. It is able to work out good for me. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so if there is good in it, it is my responsibility to mine it, to find it, to arrive at it. So what it did for me was that it changed my perspective of the situation. It also empowered me to not hate the instrument of God in my life, but to appreciate the instrument of God in my life, which was my partner, my husband. I began to also appreciate the journey of God in his life, understanding that it is God that is at work in us to will and to do what is pleasing to him. And so can I esteem myself above the workings of God? Can I esteem my desires above the wisdom of God? So I am not saying that all the actions we take are wise. But I'm saying that even in our foolishness, God is able to produce a tree of wisdom. Even from the depth of our madness, God can cause wisdom to spring forth. But the only way that can happen is if we submit to God. So in that place, I began to pray prayers like, Lord, take me away from here. Take me to the place that is higher than anything I feel. Because I believe it exists. If it did not exist, you would not tell me that it does. If it does not exist, you will not put me in a position where I feel like this is all that can help me go through this. I was like, it exists. So take me there. Show me that place. Position me there. I began to pray for things like peace that surpasses all understanding. Because I can't have amnesia. I can't unknow what I know. But one thing that can happen is that I can arrive at peace where my interpretation of the things that I see and that I know is completely different. So what it did for me was that it took me to a depth in God that I never knew was possible. I was teaching them about the rivers of Eden and I was teaching them about the things that flow out of you when you are in communion with God because the river flows from the throne of God and it flows into Eden and it bursts forth as foreheads coming out of the garden. And remember that garden today exists within us, our place of communion, our place of relationship with the Lord. And as we begin to relate to God and commune with God, this river flows from his throne and it flows into our heart and it waters our heart. And then what comes out of us, what touches the world is the breaking, should be the breaking out of the forehead. And one of them is, I think, Hidakel, is what talks about a bursting forth. And I said, a thing cannot burst forth without pressure. There must be the application of pressure for it to burst forth. And sometimes when pressure comes on our lives, we back down because we don't understand that what it's supposed to do is to cause a bursting forth to happen from us. But what bursts out of you is dependent on the stream that you submit yourself to. 
if you submit yourself to the stream of your emotions, if you submit yourself to the stream of your flesh, your flesh will burst forth. But if you submit yourself to the stream of the spirit, the spirit of life, life will burst forth. And so people can look at you and say, I don't get it. How can this person produce this? It is called the power of submission. The power of choice. There was no other time that I realized the power of choice. And you see, when we speak about love, forget there is the emotion of love. You know, all of that exists. The same way there is the emotion of, weak, of evil. But there is also, beyond the emotion, there is something that causes the emotion to manifest. And there is something that is bigger than the feeling. And it is actually your posture in the spirit. And so I began to realize that at every point in time, there is that tree that is present. Remember the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. So the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil was present before me. And it is knowledge, good and evil. So I could choose and I could say, hey, this is what is right. This is what is just, this is what is to be done. But I realized there's a place that is beyond right and wrong. When right and wrong is wrong, what choice do you make? You have to turn to the tree of life. Because the tree of life elevates you to a place that is greater than any of that. That is greater than arguments, conversations. Where you can live and you can glide on a higher frequency. And it is from that place that you pastor people. Because if it is right or wrong, you will kill your congregants. If it is right or wrong, you will never join you with anybody in this life. Do you understand what I'm saying? But there is another place where you choose life. And even though it is obvious to you, that Judas is going to betray you, is going to be the instrument of your death, yet you can love Judas to the point of his betrayal. Life. So as we talk about love and marriage, for me, because part of what the Lord began to teach me, he began to say, lift up your eyes. He said, lift up your eyes. Take your eyes away from the place of, you know, flesh and the obvious. He was like, these are obvious responses. To the circumstances of life he said but there's a place that is higher than that there's a wisdom that is greater than that he said to me say how do you think i have been able to live with humanity for so long why have i not destroyed them at the snap of a finger you all will forget you've ever existed you'll be like souls floating through the galaxy he was like how am i able to patiently so when you look at second first corinthians 13 again you begin to understand how am I able to patiently so when you talk about love and you talk about marriage you must change the plane of the conversation if not we are going to keep preaching religion tradition we may love your husband when it's coming like this wear tight leggings and tight bra you know just walk like this some of you you will carry a hair net and you think he will love you oh my gosh please get over it I've seen the slayest of women tight dress they want to suffocate inside but their husband will go and sleep with nanny do you understand what are we talking about so it is the thing that is at work that causes that causes this sort of spiritual rebellion is not the clothes you wear or the hair there is some it's a spiritual work it's a spiritual journey do you understand what i'm saying it's not any of that. So we need to be able to change the plane of the conversation. Elevate the thought. 
and come into the place of purpose. Why all of this in the first place? Because if you don't understand the purpose for which it was crafted, you will never be able to walk through it with the strength and the momentum that you should. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in 1 John 4, we know that the Bible describes God as love. So in the beginning, love created the heavens and the earth. Love sat back and love made a choice to craft, to put together this cosmic entity called the earth and then the heavens. I don't want to go into science and the vastness of the heavens because you, your head will just, your, you will just start spinning when you begin to hear the multiple, the billions of stars and planets that exist. And you begin to ask yourself, who would, how would anyone even do that? Like, I want to meet God for many reasons. I want to ask him questions like, why? Overdue, like, why? Why billions? Trying to drive us crazy? Why? You know, and how? You say things like from the breath of his nostrils, he breathes stars. <laughs> Somebody like that, you have the audacity to tell him, I'm so upset with you, what? Somebody that ended up, hmm, a whole planet will exist. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not upset. I can't, me, upset, God forbid, I can't be upset with you, never. You can make me vanish. Even my family, I will vanish from the picture in my family. It will be like, I will, as it will look like I never existed. Just like he can do that. Erase me from time and space. No, I don't, I don't play with him. I don't, so, and once he's angry, I just hum myself. I'm so sorry. Why? You say why? I'm sorry. You know, I want to meet him. I want to ask him questions like that. But he created the heavens and the earth. And we see that from the beginning. We see him warring over the earth. He created the heavens and the earth and then we see that gap where he says and the earth was formless and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So we see that there was a break between what he created and then what existed in verse 2. But you would have thought to himself, someone who can make billions, he could give it up and then just create something else. But you see, that's the thing. It's his nature to redeem. It's his nature to restore it's his nature to rebuild. He cannot deny himself. But wisdom began to speak in Proverbs. And wisdom was sort of like bragging and saying, you know, I was with him from the beginning when he laid the foundations of the earth, when he determined the depths of the ocean, when he set the boundaries of the nations, when he did all of these things, I was with him. I was working with him. So when you think about the restorative nature of God, it does not work in isolation from wisdom. So many times when we are thinking about love, and thinking about it in relation to marriage or just relationships generally, we are thinking about the workings of love from the place of emotion. But God shows us from the beginning that the workings of love is from the place of wisdom. It's from the place of wisdom. And so sometimes wisdom will have to sit over the darkness of its creation and brood. The 
earth that God made in verse 1 was not the earth in verse 2. But what did God do in the darkest hour of the earth? He sat over it like a mother hen and brooded. In your marriage, in your relationships, every time what you built and what you thought you were trying to craft, you see the breaking and it arrives in that place that the earth was Darkness was upon the face of the deep. What do you do? Many of us will run away. Many of us will crack, will break. Many of us will just crumble into that same darkness. But the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord, He brooded over it. He took time to meditate. And you see, that's why many times when you get into a place of confusion in marriage, part of what the enemy does to you is that he takes away your soundness of mind. So that you can't think straight anymore. All you are thinking about is what has been done. So your eyes are never able to go further up away from what's going on. Take a step back. Take a step back like the Lord. I created the earth here. So many things must have happened. I could just in anger cast it away. And it never exists. And I raise a new earth. But he takes a step back and he begins to brood. He rests over it with his spirit. Sometimes you would have to, in tears, in weeping, in brokenness. That which I created on the altar. That which I had a covenant with. That which I chose willingly to submit myself to. You begin to speak life back into that darkness, into what seems like an abyss, into what seems like destruction, the very place where even Satan himself was in. Because the Bible says, I beheld Satan falling like lightning from heaven, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. So when he fell, he fell to the earth. So inside that darkness was his residence. But yet the Lord did not leave it. The Lord stayed there. So when you see the falling nature or for a lack of a better word, the fallingness of your partner in marriage, what do you do to the darkness? Do you brood? Or do you stand aside and carry a microphone? This is Isi Gerenba reporting for BBC News concerning Bobby. I just want to let you all know, family members, friends alike, all the fallingness, all the this. What do you do with the darkness? You stay and you brood. And then you see the Lord begin to restore. And then he speaks light, first of all. He calls the power of illumination. Let me tell you, I was teaching some people about warfare. And I said, every time we think about war, many times we're thinking about, make kasaka, I shoot arrow, we break their teeth, we scatter their leg. Yeah, I said, but there are weapons in the kingdom. Weapons. Things like mercy is a weapon. Things like love is a weapon. Do you understand? Justice is a weapon. And you see God in restoring the earth, he releases one weapon against darkness. Light. Illumination. Vision. Clarity. Understanding. So that's to tell you that there are some captivities in marriages that the only way 
the problem is going to break is when the force of light comes in. The force of light. You have to be patient. If the Holy Spirit was patient enough to brood, why aren't you? And brooding is not complaining. This brooding is not, um, no, I don't like where you're taking me to. It's too sober. I'm trying to raise myself up. This brooding is not, um, is, is not, I don't know the word to use, complaining, sadness, depression. No. Sorry, it's not melancholic, exactly. It's actually intentional and targeted. You know where you're trying to arrive at. It's a time of coming up with vision and strategy. Because you need to understand that it's war. Because the idea of marriage, in fact, I'm going to get in there, the different pictures of marriage. It's actually a representation, we know it, of Christ and the church. And Paul calls it a mystery. But you begin to see that Christ has been married to the church, married to the earth for a very long time. And his entire work from Genesis to Revelation is the restoration of that which he's married to. And then you begin to see his work and how he is pushing, you know, to bring it to pass, to bring his desire, to bring his heart to pass. You see all of that from Genesis. And God begins to show us a pattern that we should follow. Now, um, when you look at Luke 10, verse 25 to 28, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength you know and then it went on and one Deuteronomy says and you shall love your neighbor as yourself now in speaking about love it begins to show us first of all that for you to be able to love there is a component of your soul and your heart that you need to understand it's actually a spiritual thing it's not a physical thing because he said hey you don't love he didn't say love the lord your god um first of all with all your body love the lord your god with sex Love the Lord your God with kissing. Love your Lord your God with flowers. Not all of those things. He said it begins with your heart. It begins with your spirit. It begins with your soul. So if you're going to define love, and if you're going to define the attributes of love, and if you're going to speak about the manifestations of love, you need to speak about it from a place of the encounter of the spirit, from the place of the encounter of the soul. So the reason why many of our love attempts fail is because we're trying to love from the flesh. We're trying to love from the place of feelings. We're trying to love from the place of emotions and our humanity. But, while, but true love begins from the place of your divinity. And now the reason why many at times it fails is because we don't even know who we are. We haven't even discovered the place of our souls. We haven't even discovered the workings of our spirits and our minds. And we want to come into unity with somebody else. And so there are many people who are undergoing some kind of disintegration of the soul and disintegration of the mind and disintegration of the spirit. But they are searching for love. They are searching for marriage. They are searching for oneness. But the thing is that from the Bible you begin to see that it is your ability to first of all be able to bridle what is within that gives you the power and the ability to come into union with someone else and so we come into union with all our brokenness and then we raise the bible 
And then we now want to use the Bible as a standard to judge one another when the very foundational things that give us the authority to use the principles in Corinthians, or no, to use the other principles in Ephesians, we haven't first achieved it. So you hear a man standing and say, the Bible says, submit to me. Submit to your husband in all things. You have to do, 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 do. But the person that is speaking, his soul does not know the lordship of God. His spirit has not journeyed into the power of submission. And then you hear the woman saying, you know, the Bible says you should love your wife in all things. You should love her. Jesus loved the church. But if she saw love, would she know it? If the man were to even love her, we should understand that this is what love looks like. So at the end of the day, we want to activate certain parts of the scripture without fulfilling the foundations of the scripture. And so it says it begins with loving with your soul, with your spirit. But what is in your soul? Has your soul been circumcised? Have your desires been circumcised? Have your emotions been circumcised? For some of us, our souls have journeyed into places before we met with God. It has journeyed into places. It has journeyed into deep desires. It has been tainted by expectations. It has been tainted by sexual relationships. It has been tainted by the brokenness from our father's houses and our mother's houses. It has been tainted by the things we saw break around us. And then you carry all of that and then you give it to somebody else. And you say to the person, love me still. Submit to me still. How is that even possible? So marriage is supposed to be the journey that two people embark on. The journey of purification. The journey of restoration. The journey of reconciliation to the ultimate lover. And so we hold each other's hands one hand in hand. And we say to each other, listen, I know you are not perfect. I know that you have, you are yet discovering how to love the Lord. So I don't expect you to know how to love me perfectly. I don't expect you to know how to relate with me perfectly. I don't expect you to know how to submit to me. When you don't even know how to submit to your maker. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because if you achieve it with humans and you haven't first achieved it with God, it is a perversion and it will eventually break you. If you achieve it with humans, without first achieving it with God, it will result in death. And so it says, love the Lord first. And then you can then love somebody else. Because as you love the Lord with your soul, you can see the distance between who you are and who God is. As you attempt to love the Lord with your heart, you can see the darkness that resides inside of you and the light that is God. It draws you to a place of humility. It draws you to a place of patience. It draws you to a place where you appreciate grace and mercy. And until you have arrived at that, you cannot carry it and give it to somebody else. So many a times we are trying to do marriage from our brokenness and our broken principles that in themselves paralyze us. And then how can you expect the thing that paralyzes you to activate life in somebody else? Many of us have not been able to distill the dealings in our lives, the problems we went through, the things that broke us, our emotional struggles. 
Some people are still having sexual dreams with spirits at night. And then you wake up and you expect... <laughs> you expect that spouse to be faithful to you? Or you leave the marriage thinking that it's a physical problem. How? So we get into marriage without first looking at the author of marriage, God, and how he handles marriage through scriptures, and how he wars for marriage, and how he fights. He does not judge the quality of his union based on the success of his bride. The quality of his union is based on the sacrifice that he makes. Do you understand what I'm saying? He makes a sacrifice from the foundation of it all. And he says to himself, I will give myself to you in the totality of who I am. I will use every arsenal that I have, every strength that I have to fight for you until you are restored to the image that is me. This is how God loves his bride. This is how God fights for his bride. And so when he sees her falling and failing, he doesn't say to himself, oh, the marriage has failed. Rather, he says to himself, what's the next sacrifice I can give? What is the next death I can die so that she can come to life? And you see God, time after time, going on this expedition with humanity. There's different eras of the earth. The different timelines, all about restoration. All about restoration. You see, I believe that the returning of Christ, the strengthening of God, the strengthening of the church, and all the prophetic words that we prophesy about a generation is coming, the power of the age to come. I believe it's going to be marked by the revival of men. The revival of men. A man for me is not male sex organ. That's not what a man is. A man is a representation and a reminder of the position of God. The position of the love, the heart, and the vision of the throne of heaven. That's what a man is. So every time a woman has a man in her life, what she should have is a reminder, a constant reminder of the faithfulness of God. Every time people stand from the outside and look at a godly marriage, what they should see is the restorative power of God. I hear crazy things like, oh, if I cheat on my wife, I expect her to forgive me, but ah, if she does it, <laughs> No, a woman cannot cheat. But scripturally, who is the weaker vessel? Scripturally, who is prone to mistakes? Scripturally, who should constantly be restored? It's the woman. It's the woman. So by God's grace, I'm going to write a book called Men Are Not Weak. Because you see, the devil has inverted the true meaning of the gospel, of the power of God and walk through marriage. He has inverted it. And so the men, by the workings of God, that are meant to be the strong ones, 
who are definite about the vision. I'm not talking about the vision of in our house, this is how we are. No. I'm talking about an eternal vision. I'm talking about the vision of heaven. I'm talking about the vision of eternal life. I'm talking about the vision of an age to come. Back at Azagi. And because the man understands it, he understands the opportunity of having a wife. He understands the eternal journey that has been set up for him by God. He understands the honor and the dignity that has been bestowed upon him that he should replicate what the Lord is currently doing. I'm talking about that kind of man. That kind of man is not weak. That kind of man does not justify iniquity because he understands the place of clean hands, pure heart. He understands the place of the rising of the incense of the priest. He understands the order of his priesthood and the power of the throne that has been given to him. That's the man I'm talking about. That man is not weak. That man can be like Hosea. And even though Goma is going, his flesh is crying, but his spirit understands that his life is a type and a representation of the workings of the love of God. He gives himself willingly because he understands I'm not just loving a woman. I am representing and I am manifesting God on the earth. Do you get what I'm saying? That man is not weak. That man does not say, hey, hey, yes. I, I know that, yes, from time to time, every now and then I chat up girls, but then, I mean, you are my wife. No. He abhors the things the Lord abhors. And I'm not talking about religion and church and leadership. and mm, 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 Let's leave all of that alone. Let's step back into the prophetic picture of marriage. Let's understand why Satan keeps coming after it. Because you see, when God created the earth and he made all these things, he made man. But the first thing that he institutes as a system is marriage. It's marriage. And why is Satan constantly coming after it? Because if there is a perfection of this image, there will be a perfection of God's heart for the earth. It is war here. The man that God made in the garden. Let me explain something to you. There are all kinds of jokes that comedians crack about Adam and Eve and the things that go on in the garden. And I'm not there with them. But you see, the Bible says Adam was not deceived. I need you to understand. He was not deceived. And one day the Lord said to me, if he was not deceived, then why did he eat the fruit? Adam understood himself. And he understood that that woman was his responsibility. The mistake Adam made, his heart was right, but his strategy was wrong. His heart was for the redemption of Eve. He said to himself, if she falls, I'm going down with her to bring her back. He made a choice. It wasn't because he was tempted. Because he looked at the woman and he said, ah, my wife is gone. I'm going to pull her back. Where did she go? Let's go there together. But the mistake he made was that he should have sought the Lord. 
Because guess what? What Adam did was exactly what Jesus did. He made himself sin. As the second Adam, same thing. He became sin, even though he knew no sin. So that he might save his bride. The difference was that the second Adam submitted himself to God. And so his strategy was empowered by the presence of God that followed him. But the first Adam just went. Driven by his emotion, but his heart was right. That's the kind of man that restores. That's the kind of man that will rebuild the church. That's the kind of man that will bring strength and the potency back to the gospel. I need you to understand what we're talking about here. So when you talk about marriage, from the standpoint of God, we're not talking about a perfect picture. Just leave that perfect picture alone. Just true, true. True. Even the idea of shame has to die if marriages will work. What is shame? Shame began at the point of the fall. Shame began as a product of rebellion. So if I am putting my life in order before God, what should I be ashamed about? If it is shame because things are not working, then God should be ashamed. Because you look to the Bible, this bride don't show God pepper. If a woman today was to do to a man the things that the church has done to God, what do you think that man would have done to her? Let me tell you, there's a place that is higher than laws. And that place is called love. There's a place where they say, Paul, if you go into that city, You'll be bound, Agabus, renowned prophet, prophesied. If you go into that city, you'll be bound. You'll be chained. This is how you'll be beaten. Da, 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 da. Paul said, yes, I know you are right. But I'm not only willing to be bound, but I'm willing to die for the sake of the gospel. There's a place that is higher than laws. The reason why marriages are not working is because we are inverting the roles. We now expect the wives to redeem and restore. It was never given to them. Ah, Pia, how dare you? A wise woman builds her home. A foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. All the foolish women, after you be calling for women prayer meeting, you have torn your ass. Is it not if you are giving a home? Is it not if you are giving a home and an opportunity to be wise? And an opportunity to be wise. Many women are not given the opportunity to even showcase the wisdom of God at work in them. So they have identity crisis. They have paralysis. They struggle to build. And I'm not a feminist. I'm a godist, if there's anything like that. I don't believe in stuff like that. But I believe in God. I believe in the gospel. 
We see in prophetic types of marriage, we see Adam and Christ as a representation. And we see Adam loving Eve so much that he willingly chooses to give himself. And then we see Paul saying, I show you a great mystery where he's talking about marriage. Oh, husband, submit yourselves one to another. Husbands, love your wife. You know, do this, do that. And then he says, hey, listen, I'm showing you a mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. So even though I'm talking to you about the things you should do, but I'm also telling you that these things are a representation of Jesus and the workings of Christ in the church. Let me tell you the truth. Your marriage, it will not work if you don't know God. The question is, what is the definition of what is working? Is it that he buys her roses and she cooks on Kwabi? And then he tells everybody everywhere he goes how much he loves his wife and buys her the most expensive cars. And then every time she's serving him food, she will kneel down, my Lord, spiritual. You know. And then they take hot pictures together. She'll do like this. He'll do like that. Just, uh, and they post it on Instagram. And everybody will say, fire, fire, fire. Your Instagram will be burning down. Is that marriage that is working? If it cannot follow you to eternal life and give you an eternal reward, it's not working. Because now you're going to. See that Instagram, my dear Gwend. The question is, what are you putting in? Oh, P.I. But what if I've put in all the things that can be put in? Then you do what Jesus did. You wait. For the redemption and the restoration and the harvest of your seed. However, seeing that we are on the issue of marriage, let's say it here. If anybody is beating anybody, because not only men that used to beat women nowadays. Jesus. It's not only men. It's not only men. So, <laughs> if there's physical violence involved, uncle, auntie, pack your bar. If you see there's no time, there's no chance. Just a small pause. Firstly, first. Do you understand? Thereafter, you can pack the load. Because the reason why you are still there is because you are still thinking about the load. How will you pack it? Do you understand? Leave the load first. Now get life, now they will issue. Do you get what I'm saying? Just first leave them. Go. Because that's what you think you are trying to save. I was talking to a friend of mine. I said, you know the worst thing that will happen to you? 
you get to heaven with one eye, one hand, one leg. You leap. You say, Lord, I made it. I paid the price. I fought the good fight. I stayed. Where I actually. And the Lord will say, who say you? I never asked you to. I never told you. What will you do? For all eternity, one eye, no reward. Do you get what I'm saying? So, at least, first arrive at the place of restoration. Because you can't give what you don't have. You can't. So, first arrive at the place of restoration, at the place of being redeemed by the love of God. And then you can now understand how to give love back. I'm serious. Even if you're a man and the guy slap you, and not, guess what? It does, it's not big people because it's, a, it's something inside the person. I see short people with rage. So it's not by size. And don't be ashamed because you see big man, you say, I'll go tell people, say, this guy, they beat me. It's okay. You don't have to tell many people, tell me. You don't, many people don't need to know. Just carry the equity. Move. So that at least you can save your soul and you can find redemption in God. Now, there are mis... Gosh, no, no need for that. Ah, no need for that. If I tell you that I've never thought of leaving my marriage, I'll be a liar. Mm. Ah, P.I., don't be saying things like that. You see the reason why people, marriages are not working is because we delight too much, especially when we hold microphone. I just want to honor this man of God, the one who owns my heart. He's been like my greatest, like, I just love you, man of God. I just want to celebrate you in front of the old church. I just want to tell everybody how powerful you are. Oh, no worry me. <laughs> And then you that are sitting in the congregation, ah, you are just a cousin before you come over, useless, my idiot, idiot you. <laughs> and then you go to church, then you see the mommy. I just want to tell you women that you see, if you really do what the Bible says, and then the person there is like, they say, gap, I can't connect. Me and you know, say this man, when they celebrate. In, so auntie, how are you doing it now? Tell us. Perhaps there's a mystery you understand. So if I tell you I've never called, I'm lying. Self, I've strategized it. <laughs> I have a template on how it's going to work. Day one. <laughs> Just, uh, so I have a pre, during, and post-exit strategy. Don't ask me for templates, please. So I have it working. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. These are the emotions I'm going to go through. These are the please stop. These are the people I will not tell. Or Pastor Mo will say, P.I. <laughs> Your love is a magic. <laughs> <laughs> I say, Pastor Mo, leave me, leave me. So there's a people I will not tell. <laughs> this. <laughs> This is how I'm going to go about it when I want to set myself. <laughs> you know. So, 
all the plan there. But after I write all of it, there is a part of me that loves the Lord more than my life. That loves the Lord more than my life. And when you love someone, you want to honor the person. You want to honor the person. So I want to honor God. And I ask, Lord, what is the best decision I can make that will honor you? So when people come to me with marital counseling issues, the first thing I will say is, give your life to Christ. Do you understand? Just first give your life to Christ, I'm telling you. First be born again. I mean the reborn again, no? the real one. I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm not talking about head of department born again. I'm talking about the real born again. Where God is at work in you. Where you wake up and he's telling you about parts in yourself that you have to give up. When you are fasting for 30 days and they say, what are you praying about? It's not car. It's not house. It's not business. All you are praying about is that, that Christ will be formed in me. That Christ will be formed in me. You see, if every man and every woman is like that, there's no way marriage will not work now. There's no way. There's, look, there is no way. So, let me circle back because I know my time. Because there's a certain way in which Pastor Mo is looking at me. He's the outlook of time, P.I. So I'm going to hurry up. So, circle back to the beginning where I started. Of me, say I laid down there crying and all. I look at my husband today. He's not yet the perfect man. But guess what? I don't even want him to be perfect. Because if he's perfect, it takes away from me my opportunity to journey in God. Because his imperfection opens to me doors of grace. So, I don't need him to be perfect. I just need him to want to love. Do you get what I'm saying? I just need him to daily rise up and seek the Lord. So I look at him today. And I can appreciate him and honor him because he's on a journey. The reason why God keeps up with the earth is because he always finds a remnant that wants to journey. So if there's a remnant in your spouse, then there is a hope of redemption. If there's a remnant that wants to journey, then there's a hope of redemption. There's a hope. So I look at him, get up, and pray, and cry to God. And I'm like, I be wish. Do you understand? I don't be wish now. If God will receive his tears, and receive his cry, who am I? And in the same way, he looks at me. So let's not get this twisted. I'm not perfect either. Do you understand? 
just only relating with me on a normal level, you will just be like, ah, ah. where is the P inside the PR? Because the eye alone in itself is hopeless and powerless. The eye is struggling, struggling to understand what's inside my soul, what's inside my spirit. You know, it's, I see it's a daily, daily. You know, so I look at him also and I realize that the reason why he keeps on is because he also sees that remnant in me. After my emotions and my everything gets in the way, he sees me go back to God and I'm crying and I'm like, Lord, be formed in me. Let your hand, let your grace, let your love, Father, I want to know you. And he's like, you know what? I can still journey with this woman. And every day we arrive at places where we no more interpret ourselves based on that which the Lord is working on, but we interpret ourselves from the perspective of hope, from the perspective of that which we anticipate. That's the place where it begins to work. That's the place where it begins to work. So if you are sitting here and you are not married or you are married, you need to arrive at this place where it is first about God. Even when you want to choose who to get married to, please, yes, it's good to pick what looks right, what looks good, what looks great. But hear me. I have seen the most spiritual of people have the deepest of struggles. And I have seen the most, in quotes, not spiritual, have the highest moral code. So which one do you pick? The one that doesn't know God or doesn't follow God with the kind of depth you want, but does not smoke, does not drink, does not womanize, does not this, does not that, or the one that is crying out to God and have a fervency of spirit and you know all of that but struggles with pornography struggles with other addictions struggles with you know the, which so which one do you pick so it's not really about them it's really about you and the journey you know you've been called to and that's which you have been giving grace to walk out then you are now able to say you know what this is where i can pitch my tent and continue to journey because even the people in scripture that we look at, that have we, you know, model our lives and we preach our sermons after them, they were not perfect. In terms of marriage, David wasn't. In terms of marriage, Abraham wasn't. Imagine if Abraham, your husband did to you what Abraham did to Sarah. How many times he denied her? Oh, she's not my wife. Oh, you're like, what? Why they were taking her away? The king took her. Why did she look at Abby? You know, won't you talk true now? Abraham just strung his face. He's like, Sarah, take one for the family. No, sir. And she's thinking, what? What? Even if God delivered you from that, will you still love that man? You will tell your friends, I can't, in my life, I can never trust him. From that day, you begin to treat him anyhow. That's the reality of what Sarah had to live with. So she never judged Abraham from the place of his weaknesses and the manipulations of his flesh. She judged him from the place of the divine conversation over his life. 
Sometimes you need to change the, the plane of conversation if it's going to work. And if you are here, lastly, and you are a man, you need to pray for yourself. Stop praying for a wife if you are not married. Stop, Lord, give me a woman, a woman that with this, a woman. Well, what do you know you are praying for if you don't even know who you should be to her? So what do you know you are asking for? Pray for yourself because I'm telling you, you are the key. You are the key. You are the key. Pray for yourself. Pray that God will show you your role to play. Pray that God would break down all the standards that you had in your mind. Because what's happening is a cycle of brokenness that is going on. Man breaks woman, woman breaks man, all of them break themselves. And then they give birth to broken children. And broken children will go on and break other children and break each other and they break themselves. We keep replicating the cycle. So who is going to step back and pay the price? If you are a man... Your strength and your glory is not in how many times you win or how many times she puts herself down for you. You cannot demand respect. You cannot demand submission. Those things should come naturally by reason of the person's um, experience of your love. God will tell you what he wants, but he will tell you, and you still have a choice. But when you truly experience God, He doesn't force you. You just want to give yourself to Him. You want to be vulnerable with Him. Man, that's how it works. So when you truly start living the God life, you are counter-culture, counter-tradition, counter the expectations of this world. They will call you a fool, but remember, you have a picture of redemption. You are redeeming your bride. If you are a woman, you pray for your heart. You pray for your ability to see as God sees and to submit yourself to the picture of God or pray for the man. Pray that God gives him strength and gives him grace because men are under attack. And Satan knows that the product of the fall, the effect of it in women, he says, and your desire shall be for him only. So what happens is that the result of the fall is that a woman naturally, her life is the man, what, did, what, what has he done? What did he not do? The way he made me feel, the way, so it, it completely destabilizes you. The moment he's not having the, he's not the perfect picture that you want, it's a result of the fall. Now the, the other side of that is that the result of the fall is that the man also now becomes someone who is lording over her. And it's like, I demand this of you. And she becomes someone who is like, I just want you to be. It's a, it's, a, it's a broken state. It's not a true state of things. So you pray. And circumcise yourself of all that. You can't function because the other person is not perfect. That's not how God created it. God created us to be able to still journey into redemption, eternal life, eternal life despite our deficiencies or in spite of our deficiencies. That's how God created us. So you can walk in the fullness of the spirit 
even though you are journeying with somebody who is not yet there. Do you get what I'm saying? So you pray for yourself as a woman. That's not how it's supposed to be. You have an issue with your husband, you close down your business. Why? Why? The man is not doing what he wants. You, you resign, you can't function at work. Why? Why not function? In fact, that's when I'm at my highest efficiency. Because it's a war. It's a result of the fall for the woman to crumble when she does not get her desire from the man. That's not how God created us to be. So you pray for yourself. Because the more you walk in the truth, you are able to activate the truth to be birthed in other people. So stand in the truth. I'm not saying that emotions don't matter. It matters. God is a man of war, but there are times when God comes and he just loves on me. He just tells me, sweet, nothing. I just want to tell you how much I love you. You are the apple of my eyes. You are this, you are that. He whispers all those things, even though they are so perishing. So the emotions matter, but it's not the focus, neither is it the destination. So as we celebrate February 14th, whatever the day is, because I don't know who Valentine is. My driver's name is Valentine. So I'm not sure who we are celebrating exactly. Um, but seeing that tradition has put all of us, our minds in this place. So we could as well just have the conversation. But please don't be foolish. Don't fight your spouse because of tradition. Don't, 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 don't make your hell now your house hell today because someone didn't buy you shoe. Like seriously. Why? What is Valentine? Who is Valentine self? We don't know. So the right conversation is the spirit of God pulling us back to the heart of God. Pulling us to a plain point of realization. Pulling us to a place of re-identification, if there's anything like that. Where you begin to find yourself in God. You begin to find your heart in God. You begin to find the true interpretation of love. Where you can love and honor the other person. Because you see it at work in the grand plan of God. Make it your prayer. And if you're here, you've given up on all of that. You're just like, you know what? That's not for me. The question is why? If it is rooted in a hurt, in a pain, in a fear, then that's not God's decision. You have to deal with it. Pray about it. Arrive at liberty. Make your decisions from the position of liberty, not the position of fear, not the position of anger, not the position of pain and betrayal, but from the position of liberty. Let everything you do in your marriage be a mark of your submission to God. Love, honor, respect. Give hope. Give grace. Give allowance for someone's journey in God. Make sure you are not giving all of that without first raising an altar in your home. Pray. 
When was the last time you pushed past your pain to truly pay, pray for your spouse? When was the last time you pushed past the limitations to truly lift up the other person to the Lord? This is your responsibility. This is your calling. This is how the world will know that Jesus is alive when we love one another. Karama subregedele basotahi. Vente bregina maskopata vidanambaskatahai. Shira basumbregedila dasokapata ligarabasatai. Why did Jesus say there is no marriage in heaven? Because by the time you get there, all that there is to be known is already known. So this is an opportunity to learn. Because when you get to heaven, you don't need the lesson anymore. This is an opportunity to grow. This is an opportunity to birth Christ in the world. If you are here, you've been carrying such a burden for so long. And you say, but I have prayed, I have done this, I have fasted. I pray that God will show you the spiritual strategy that you need to be able to posture yourself above your struggle so that you can arrive at a point of peace. So that you can arrive at a point of peace. Father, I just submit your people to you. I submit everyone who is listening now and everyone who will listen. I pray that you, the spirit of truth, and you, the spirit of revelation, that you would break bread with them as they hear your words. Let one sentence become like a thousand sentences. Break bread, break it, O oh God, and speak beyond the words that I have spoken. I pray you set the hearts of your people on a journey once again. I pray that you will show it people what the true meaning of love is and the true representation of marriage is. I pray you will grant us grace and wisdom so that we can do that which is pleasing to you and so that we can indeed restrain the enemy in this last time and we can create a platform upon which Christ would come for the redemption of his church. I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.